Welcome to this week's Animator's Journey podcast episode. I'm your host, Lucas Ridley. I've been animating for the last 12 years and teaching for the last six. And these are my top 10 recommended beginner animation exercises to master. Now, if you follow me on YouTube at Animator's Journey, then you'll have seen a video about this. And here I'm going to recap those and give a bit more context since I'm in a podcast setting. It's also worth mentioning that you can download a free beginner rig at Animator's Journey called the Extreme Ball Rig. And you can use this rig to do all 10 of these beginner animations so that you can get started off in the right direction with the free rig inside of Autodesk Maya. So number one, a simple bounce. In this exercise, we just want to get familiar with the software, how to set keys, how the timeline works, how the graph editor works, how tangents work on the curves in the graph editor. And if none of these words are making sense, that's an indication you need to do this first exercise because we don't want to get stumbled up on the technicalities of the software later down the road. So we can use these more simple exercises to get comfortable using the software. And again, like I mentioned, the software that I recommend is Autodesk Maya. You can get in a lot of hot water if you post this opinion on somewhere like Twitter, where there are a lot of Blender fans who don't take kindly to anyone else saying anything but Blender is the best. Blender is a great software. That's not what I'm discussing. I'm discussing getting prepared for a uh, profession working at a mid to large level studio as an animator. So as an animator, we are dependent on the rigging pipeline. So depending on how the rigs are made will dictate how we need to animate in terms of the software we use. And so at most places, that is a Maya rigging pipeline. So that means we need to animate in Maya as well. So that's why I say get familiar with Maya. You might as well, if you're going to learn a software, learn the one that you're most likely going to be using at the most studios that you can find. So you want to give yourself every advantage and it's like learning a language. You know, if I'm going to move to France, I'm not going to learn Italian. I'm going to learn French. If you're learning a language, you might as well just learn the one you're going to use anyways. Same thing with software. If you're most likely going to use Autodesk Maya, just go ahead and use that before you get to the job so that A, you get the job. <laughs> you're the most qualified candidate for the job. Just give yourself every benefit. The landscape is so competitive in the job market, why not give yourself every advantage? There's really no reason. Indie license of Maya is only $300, I think, per year, which it used to probably be, I don't know, 3000 or something. You, you can still buy the, the normal license, although I don't know anyone does that besides maybe large studios who have huge budgets. But as an individual, you can purchase a $300 indie license. And if you're enrolled in a school like Animator's Journey, that's a qualified Autodesk institution, I provide a student license to all enrolled students. So you get one basically for the cost of enrollment. You also get software. So you're not having to pay for that on top of any schooling. So once we get that out of the way, we want to move on to more advanced exercises. Number two is the advanced ball bounce, what I call the advanced ball bounce, because there's at least two balls involved and they are of varying weights and they should collide with one another so that we can show our comprehension of principles of physics, which is really what all principles of animation are rooted in is physics. And so that's where we should start our practices, comprehending and being able to recreate everyday physics that we are expecting to see in any kind of motion. So 
Once we have that down, we want to move on to number three, the tail overlap. And this can come in different ways, but essentially what we want to show is our comprehension of overlap. This can be through a pendulum exercise on the extreme ball rig. It comes with a tail, so you could do a just the ball sliding across the ground back and forth and having the tail positioned vertically upright and like a Christmas tree thinking coming out of the ground, you can position it that way on the rig and then just slide the ball itself across the ground and the tail will always flow behind where the ball is going to demonstrate overlap and follow through and drag. These are the kind of three main things, drag, follow through, overlap, what I call DFO in the course. But once you get that down, you're getting a sense of how to animate things separately because the ball is doing its own motion and the tail is following behind it in time, but it's they're still connected. They're not so disconnected that they don't seem like they have a relationship together, but they're doing slightly different things. They're offset from one another because one is depending on the other. One is the driver and one is being driven. So you want to be able to show that level of control over one object separated into chunks so that it can move fluidly and feel like it has overlap with itself and it's still connected all together, which is a delicate balance to make sure it doesn't feel so disconnected that there's so much overlap that these two pieces of this object are doing their own thing. So that's the challenge for number three. Number four is a jump with a tail. So with a jump is different from a bounce because we want to show that there is essentially a character here. This is the first time we're starting to get out of the realm of physics and more into performance. And with a jump, we need to show other things like anticipation and all these other principles that come along with a jump. Squash and stretch. And then we're layering on this tail overlap that we just did in the previous challenge. And the number three challenge, we had tail overlap. So we're basically stacking on the all these skills as we go to make sure every time we stack a card on this castle, we don't have a, a house of cards that's going to fall. We're doing it deliberately and working from the bottom up that, and making it as stable as possible in terms of our comprehension, our knowledge, and our ability to implement it. Because it's one thing for me to just explain something to you and you hear it. It's another thing for you to actually do the thing, which is also why getting feedback is so important so that you can get someone who tells you exactly where you're lacking and how you can improve that. Because a lot of times I see people plateau because they, they can't see the issues in their own work. And then on top of that, even if they could see them, which they can't because that's why they're there, they also can't change them. They don't know how to. So then they're just stuck in this purgatory of having these issues on their work because they're not entirely clear how to resolve them, even if they can see them. So that's a super important part. But ideally, even if you're doing self-study, you this is why it's even more important to slowly work up to complexity in these exercises so you can make sure that you have an understanding of each one of these kinds of exercises that I'm recommending you do so that by the time you go on to the next one, you're not having to juggle 10 plates. You're only having to juggle one new ball at a time and not try to get a ton moving at, at once that you're unfamiliar with. So that's number four, jump with a tail. Number five is a weight shift. So a weight shift is exactly what that sounds like. This is when we start to use legs on the extreme ball rig, which come with the rig. It's just a little setting. You slide and pop, legs come out, and now you have a ball with legs. 
which simplifies the whole concept of center of gravity and we get into the realm of body mechanics. And a weight shift is so underappreciated because it doesn't look super flashy. It's almost like a minimal amount of movement is happening. But within that minimal movement, you must demonstrate this balance between shifting weight from one foot to the other foot, whether it's taking a step at turning, whether it's just repositioning your feet a little bit. If you don't do it in the right way, it's going to look weightless. And weight is one of the most important things to show in animation. And that basically means that we are handling the weight of the thing correctly, that we're supporting it where it needs to be supported so that we can shift it to another base of support is the technical term. And all these terms are covered in the course, of course, but maybe you have already familiarity with it. But base of support is indicating where does that center of gravity has to be on top of for it not to tip over. And that is the asterisk here is unless it's in motion and you have centrifugal forces at play. So there's obviously by me just saying those (laughs) terms, there's starts to become layers of complexity, but with a weight shift, we're trying to keep it really simple. It's like the minimal amount of movement that we can show that we have a comprehension of how to manage weight and on top of a base of support. That's a weight shift. Then we have a walk, and this is your typical 24 frame, 28 frame walk cycle. So we have our passing position, our contact position. And this is what the one book that everyone recommends, the animator's survival kit. And this book goes into agonizing detail over a walk in all different ways. I think it's really the only thing you'd want that book for, which means, in my opinion, which is maybe a blasphemous thing to say that I don't, I actually don't recommend this book. I think I bought it when I was an animation student and I maybe opened it once and never looked at it again. And it's, I think it's good to understand why people recommend it to, to get it and then see what the, where the value is and then realize, oh, okay, actually I don't need an entire book to explain a walk cycle to me. I, I think I can do this. There's other things in it. They came out with a revised version that had other stuff in it, like quadruped stuff, but that's, but yeah, that's just my recommendation. I think you can learn what's in that book elsewhere that you don't need this whole book that everyone recommends. And I feel like it's just people are in the habit of saying to recommend this book now, even though I don't think it's necessary. Anyway, so we have a walk. Number six, we're on a walk. This is actually a deceivingly complicated thing to do. And it's deceiving because unless you have some kind of disability, most of us are walking around all the time. And so we take it for granted that we can walk and we think, oh, I walk every day. This must be easy to animate because I do it all the time. This should be quite easy. And in reality, again, it's a more complicated weight shift than what we just did because we're taking our foot off the ground for longer and we also want it to work in a cycle. So it needs to loop continuously, which is important for video game animation. If you want to get into that, you want to be able to demonstrate your ability to create seamless looping animation. And there's certain things you want to be able to clean in the graph editor to make that happen, like the tangent handles in and out and understanding how cycles work in general. We want symmetry on both sides, unless if there isn't symmetry, it can look like they're injured, for example. So there's all these little details you want to make sure you have under wraps for a walk cycle. Number seven, once you have a walk cycle, then we can move on to number seven, which is a, a stylized walk cycle. So we went from number six, a walk. Now we're on number seven, which is a stylized walk. So this is basically, you could even take the walk you just did and try to push it, try to make it more cartoony, try to make this person older, try to make this character younger, bigger, smaller, give it more weight and have it 
be very confident, very shy, sneaky. There's all these different ways that you can adjust a walk to make it stylized and give it more character. Now, it's what I find most typically is people who are starting out accidentally give their vanilla walk character. So let's say the previous exercise, just the walk, the style, the non-stylized walk, they end up accidentally giving it stylization because they're not in total control of their animation. And they just think it's a happy accident and keep going along with that and skip ever doing a vanilla walk. And so look out for that. Don't do that because you want to make sure you have total control over your animation and that you're not accidentally doing things because then you can't recreate that. If you're not at, if you're not absolutely sure you can nail a vanilla walk, it's going to be very difficult to nail other styles of walks. So that's why in number six, we wanted to nail a non-stylized walk. And in number seven, we now we're venturing out and being able to push and pull levers that will show different attitudes or different physicality to a stylized walk. And so that's number seven. Number eight is a jump. So we did a jump in number four, the jump with a tail. So that was just a ball with a tail in number four. And now we've graduated to number eight, where we're doing a jump with legs. And so it's very similar to what we did in terms of the principles, like we saw in the jump in number four, the exercise that we would have already done by this point. Now we're just adding legs. So it's the concepts are the same, but the complexity in the rig is a lot more because we have many more controls to manage and how to show squash and stretch isn't just happening in the ball itself. It should happen in entire poses and positions throughout the jump. And the other thing that we have to do is resolve the energy on the landing. Maybe you need an extra step or two, which is just another example of building on the previous exercises of the walk and the weight shift that we did. And now we're having to resolve more energy from the speed that we would have gotten from a jump. So again, layering on the complexity slowly to make sure that we're successful at each one of these steps. So number nine, we're to a kick or a start to a stop, which we would have already done a little bit on the jump, but I give this other option to a start to a stop or a turn some other kind of asymmetrical body mechanics motion. I think a kick is the easiest thing to do because you, in the extreme ball rig, you have the ball already. So you have a soccer ball within that rig, and then you can just reference in another version of that rig and then use the legs on the second version. So now we have the same rig we're using twice in the scene, and we can run through a ball kick and show those body mechanics. So this is really where we're going to dive deep in looking at reference to make sure we're nailing down the poses, the timing, and the positions of the body to make it work so that we can feel balanced in motion asymmetrically. So we're kicking a ball and have the physics of that ball react accordingly. And I think it just shows a lot of complexity at this point where we're really combining all these things of all the bounce, but the simple ball bounce stuff we're bringing in. So we're managing essentially two characters for the first time. We have the ball and then the person kicking it. And now we have the legs, which are doing asymmetrical movement that's not a cycle. So we can't depend on a cycle. This is all have to be off the spot, as they say, and working in the scene. And so that is number nine. And finally, we're to number 10, which I recommend is a dance because it's just fun. And you get to listen to the same piece of music over and over again, because I think you definitely want to pull reference for this one. There's plenty of motion artists and dancers on TikTok or Instagram that you can follow to get inspiration on 
their choreography. It's very important, I think, as animators that we pull from other professionals and lean on them where we aren't professionals. I'm not a professional choreographer, so I would want to depend on someone else's expertise in that area to know that this is a, a valid sequence of motions and maybe I can mix and match from different places if I want to combine things or add my own spin on it. But it's always a great place to start with reference, especially with a dance. And you can make it a fairly small chunk. I would keep this under 10 seconds for sure, maybe even under eight. And we just want to show some dynamic, quick movements that again are asymmetrical. So that entire eight to 10 seconds is all keyframed animation. It's not a cycle. And have fun with this one. You could, you know, turn on the tail as well as the having the legs on the extreme ball rig, but I would not do a full body mechanic shot like a full body rig with arms yet. We're still using a ball with legs to complete all 10 of these because where people, I think, run, I think where people get tripped up is they add a full body rig in early to their development and they're too overwhelmed by managing many controls. Should I use FK? Should I use IK? What kind of spine is this? Is it a hybrid spine or is it an IK spine? And how they manage these different rig attributes and the number of them that they get overwhelmed and the energy they could be putting into learning the animation principles and fundamentals are stuck and, and absorbed by having to deal with technical complexity that they're not prepared for. So that's why I say all, do all 10 of these challenges and exercises with a ball and legs. And, and that's why I gave the extreme ball rig for free to the community. You just have to jump on animatorsjourney.com and download your copy of it and get going on all 10 of these. And if you need a recap, there's also a sh much shorter video than this podcast episode where I just recap these 10 and show some visual examples as well. If you want to see examples of each one of these, you can jump on the YouTube channel and look up top 10 beginner animations to master and you will have a visual example of all of these. Thanks for listening to this week's Animator's Journey podcast episode. I hope you get going in this new year that we're approaching. It's close to the end of 2023, and I hope and I wish you the best of luck in your animation journey. Even if you don't continue it or begin it at Animator's Journey, I really hope that you are fulfilled with your own journey in animation as much as I've been and if I'm lucky to share that with you, I look forward to seeing you in class. If not, please download the Extreme Ball Rig and get animating and get this new year started off with some progress on your own animation journey. Thanks for listening. And if you have a moment, don't forget to rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. See you next week.